Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of the Unqualified Answers podcast. I am your host, Isaac Brown. Um, yeah, we have a really interesting question today. This one actually caught me a little off guard, and I had to actually uh, do some very light reading. I, I only went through scriptures and then a little bit of Thomas Aquinas. Um, but uh, this one, this one uh was not one i guess was expecting i i really am expecting none of these but this one uh yeah it just caught me off guard so the question oh yeah before this uh i was re-listening to episode four. Oh, i am so sorry about how sick i sounded i um i think i was fighting something off i did not oh, man, looking back uh, if I could re-record it, I would. Someday, when I get more skilled, I might go back and edit the audio and take out some of the sniffles, because Also, uh, we're still working on the music, but it, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm I'm working on it. I, I got a, a paper to write for school, and then it'll come to the top of my trying-to-get-stuff-done list. Uh, but yeah, today we're going to be answering the question of where is the soul stored? Uh, we as Christians do believe in a soul. But how that's defined is, I should say most Christians, there's debate about everything, but we do believe in a soul for the most part. And, but beyond that, what the soul is or where it's located, huge debates. And that, I, I, and, and I, I think I told the, um, the person who asked these questions, I, I, I said really quickly, like, we don't know, could, would, could be like the entire episode, just, you know, cut it here. Could have done this in two, in like three seconds, you know. We, we don't know um, because scripture doesn't say really where it is. It does say we have one. It talks about the soul, but it doesn't say where it is um, unless I miss something, which is possible. And uh, tradition hasn't firmly established it, so um, we're not left in the dark per se. But um, there's, I might I might talk about this a bit more later, but. There are things that are questions in life, and especially in, in regards to uh, religion and faith. And then there are tensions. And the question, a question is something that has an answer. It would be like, you know, trying to find out, like, what color are my eyes or how tall is so-and-so. There are concrete, definite answers to that. You just have to find them. And then there are things that are like, tensions kind of for lack of, like for lack of a better example off the top of my head it'd be like trying to figure out a city's population at a, a given time exactly right because you're always estimating you can never go around and count head by head because by the time you're done one someone's left or someone's being added you can always only get a rough estimation or a snapshot of like who's done a, a census but you're always there's always going to be a bit of tension there because you can never get an exact exact answer or in our case um you can there are a lot of things that we just don't have answers for because their scripture or tradition didn't consider them basically essential enough to be important like that sounds harsh it's you know i'm not trying to diminish the question I, i'm glad it was asked but in the end like this isn't a question that depending on how you answer one way or another affects salvation or your relationship to god really i mean you know if you have an immortal soul um you can you know um uh, then that might affect how you handle yourself but 
the question of location is, is kind of secondary to that. And again, scripture and tradition does have say something about the soul, just that it exists. Um, and there have been a, a, a few different takes. Again, I read Thomas Aquinas because I was curious what he said. And Thomas Aquinas took the soul as something that was like outside of the human body, but part of the person. This is going to be such a bad example. And if a philosopher ever listens to this, especially someone familiar with Aquinas, they're going to rip my head off. But it's kind of like to Aquinas an arm. It's something that's attached to you, a part of you. It serves a purpose, but it's not like it's not located in your in your brain or it's not an animating force. It's it's I mean, kind of like attached to you, but it's a part of you. Um, the the issue, the reason there's been pushback against that view is that when it comes to going to heaven or like life after death, um, then Aquinas's view wouldn't allow for um, like a full life in heaven be, because it, it, only a part of you goes there, not your full, the full part of you. And a part of me is sympathetic to that and the fact that I've always held that the resurrection of the dead is more important than heaven. And that like what we consider heaven will be life on the new earth um, and not that much. I mean, not that much, very different than now, but like you're still going to be working and you're still going to be doing stuff. And by work, I mean like not the negative, Oh, I have to go to work today, but like you're going to be joyfully doing things. You're not going to like when I was a kid, I was always told this vision of heaven that was like, Oh, you're just going to worship 24 seven. I acknowledge the importance of worship not my favorite thing i'm not the biggest i like singing i don't want to do it all the time um and so it, it created this idea in me like oh my gosh heaven you know like basically it was like well it's better than the alternative but it was like a, you know not exactly thrilling but but reading scripture and, and the account in revelation i've kind of come around and also catholic ideas of like the saints active in heaven praying for people interceding with people for people kind of uh not involved but like interacting with the world for lack of a better term these are all things that made me think like oh you know heaven we might actually be doing things right like joyfully working doing things we enjoy as work like some people love baking or some people love coding some people you know they they it's not work to them they just do it because they love it stuff like that you know things that are kind of intrinsic maybe to a person are things you might end up doing in heaven for the glory of God. And so I'm sympathetic to this view that heaven isn't per se the end goal, but the new earth. Um, and that heaven is more of an intermediary. However, ideas of heaven are consistent with ideas of the new earth. It's just going to involve a general resurrection of the dead and a, a difference in location. But then some people define heaven as wherever the full presence of God is. And I would say there will be the full presence of God on the new earth. So they'll become indistinguishable. Um, but regardless, people, I think, think <laughs> uh, not to be too harsh. I think people think too spiritually about this sometimes. Um, but that's because there is a heaven. I, I, and I do believe you go there after death, um, if not immediately within a few days. Uh, but you know um i i think sometimes people over spiritualize it like you're gonna live as a spirit forever in heaven um i think there's gonna be a physical aspect however um when i read scripture uh and i look at what it says about the soul it it seems 
there are two things that kind of come out just from a cursory glance. First off, the soul is something that's like your deepest innermost desires and your encom- and the thing that encompasses you. So like a lot of times in the Old Testament, um, when people talk about desire, they talk about his soul yearned for something or something like that. And so it's like it's the deepest part of the person that's longing for this thing. And it's also their whole person like it encompasses them. Um, and in the New Testament, the, uh, there's also this aspect of like uh, a spiritual um, part of the human. You know, it says don't fear people who can like kill the body, but fear the person who can destroy body and soul in, in, in Hades um, or Sheol, whatever was used. And so there's this, this, the new Testament adds a spiritual aspect, but it, it still retains the fact that it kind of what a soul is, is, is what is what encompasses you, what makes you, you. And it's kind of like your innermost part um, for lack of a term, like you call it a spark. Um, but that what that is is hard to define right like you can't scientifically measure what a person is um there's this whole debate right with um teleportation right let's say you took someone and you took every atom in their body and you then reassembled them somewhere else is it the same person um if you use like the same atoms and there's like the question right like is that all a human is or was something left behind or is that something attached to the atoms still and like the reassembly makes no difference it it's it's hard to say because we can't do that we're not even we're not even close and i, I don't think it's possible <laughs> so the, the, there's that question of like what what does it mean the innermost part of someone or what, what makes someone someone the, the entirety of them um and is that a physical thing i don't think so because of talks of heaven uh so it's it's really difficult to to kind of nail it down and i don't even know if the 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 scriptural authors would have ever thought about the soul in in these kind of scientific terms like weighing it out or you know seeing i the back then they didn't really have a good idea of what went on inside the person and um for a lot of people i doubt they cared they were more worried about probably not starving to death um and to to them a soul was probably just whatever spiritual part of a person continued on that was them and so i don't know if they would have thought about it like is it in the heart is it in the brain they didn't really have this great laid out anatomy um but and and then for a time there was this idea as far as i understand that there was the soul is an animating force right it's what caused you to kind of move and whatnot but Nowadays, we know, like, if you sever the wrong part of the spine, you drop, like, a sack of rocks, and you can never walk again. And if you get the wrong, the really wrong spot, you can never move your arms again. So, we know that, it, you know, if the soul is what's animating you, then the question is, right, like, why, why would hurting the spine affect that? And so, it's the soul and the spine. Probably not. And then, and then there's this idea that we now know a lot of what makes us us is, is in the brain. So then there's a question of like, well, is the soul in the brain? Maybe, <laughs> you know, like, again, it's, it's not really something that can be um, scientifically measured or something that we can, we're really told much about. 
um, either in scripture and tradition. So what, what continues on after death? What, what, what will get to heaven? What will that look like? Um, and during the resurrection of the dead, will that be kind of a restoration to fullness or will that just be um, an adding on of something that isn't necessarily tied to fullness? We, we're literally not told. So this is like a really long in depth way to say, I don't know. Um, but this is one of those things, like I said earlier, that I think, I think it's a tension that you just have to live with. It's something that would be really nice to have an answer because that's how we think, you know, scientifically we love to know everything. Um, and this is just something that's you're, you're going to be intentional with and we can get insights again. Like we know now that the, the, the soul is not an animating force because you can damage the spine and it damages the body. So maybe it'll continue to get whittled down. Um, and, but then there's also just a faith aspect, right? Cause if, if someone says like, well, I can't see or measure a soul. Well, it's like, well, then maybe the soul is something all encompassing and it's separate from, you know, the ability to be measured or weighed or put under a microscope. So then there's always going to be just attention. It's just, I wish we were told him or not. Um, but uh, again, when it comes to the importance of the Christian faith, like what is important to Christians and what was important to scriptural authors was mainly about salvation and how to live. And they wouldn't have probably considered this a big enough deal to fight over because they were fighting all the time. And this would have just been another fight over something they probably considered not worth fighting about. So they had their own fish to fry. The church today has its own fish to fry. Um, and like this, this is not something that we would probably want to get deep into debate over and above other things. It's not that it's not important. It's not that it's not a good question. It's just that, Right now, the church has bigger crises, um, and I hope someday there is some sort of funding somewhere where maybe a theologian can dedicate a lot of time to this and come up with a strain of thought and tradition that kind of ties together all these kind of historical perspectives into something um, that maybe is like a kind of works with them all, but that's hard to do, and that might not even be possible. So we don't know, um, and I'm sorry, but uh, I will say um, the, the truth of the Christian faith is is primarily around the person of Jesus and not the soul or the location of the soul. So it's like, it, you know, it's just as it's just not something we, we think about that much. Um, but uh, it's a good question. And the fact that Thomas Aquinas himself addressed it means this is still important enough that literally some of the most famous thinkers in Christian history have dedicated time to it. This is a good question. Um, it's just not something I can give a satisfactory answer to. And I'm sorry about that. But again, I, I just want to, I guess I'm doing all this that can make feel diminishing to mainly reinforce the fact that um, this isn't, this doesn't, that the Christian faith isn't hung on where the soul is or even necessarily what it is, just that it is, um, whatever that may look like. So um, there's that's really the best I can give you. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, 15 minutes of me rambling about how we don't know. Again, this could have been like a four-second episode, uh, and it probably would have been just as good. But hey, 
I, uh, I wanted to give a, a comprehensive answer. The, the next question I'm actually thinking of covering actually doesn't come from the usual person. Uh, it comes from someone else, uh, a friend who wanted to know about, like, every, a lot of people know about the historical differences between Catholics and, and Protestants, but they wanted to know more about, like, the religious divides, right? Not the historical fighting or, you know, the fact that, you know, maybe poor German peasants were upset about funding a cathedral in France, and that might have led to Protestant sympathies, but instead, what actual religious beliefs separate a Catholic and a Protestant that might have made it, you know, so conscientious, con conscientious, oh my gosh, contentious. Um, and so I might explore that next time. I probably will actually now that I've announced it. So if you want to keep listening, I hope, you know, look forward maybe to that. That one's another one I'll, I'll read for. Uh, I might pop open a cate the catechism of the Catholic Church and maybe look at my own uh, <laughs> 39 articles of religion. And uh, yeah, I hope if you're looking forward to that and that sounds good to you, um, yeah, well, you'll know now. And if it uh, doesn't, well, hopefully saved you some time. So yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. We're in Christmas tide right now, 12 days of Christmas. So Merry Christmas. God loves you. I love you. I hope God blesses you richly going into the new year and you have a very happy new year and uh, cannot thank you for listening enough. And I hope you continue listening into the new year. God bless you.